0: The following podcast was made possible by the sponsorship of Teresa Leong Lee and by Catholic Digital Resources, where you can find downloadable faith formation resources and evangelization tools. Visit Catholic Digital Resources at CatholicDR.com to build your own faith and the faith of others. That's CatholicDR.com.
1: Now praise the Lord, we're going to talk about the coronavirus in regards to the rosary and in regards to the oil of gladness. The oil of gladness. The Holy Spirit, one of his names is the oil of gladness. You know, the the Holy Spirit empowers us and we need to ask for joy, okay? We need to pray. As that exorcist said, we need to do a decade, the first decade of every rosary for ourselves, for our protection, and for our joy, and the Holy Spirit is called the oil of gladness, and in this talk, I'm going to cover how we can turn our sadnesses, our sorrows, our sufferings into the joy that changes lives and makes good come from evil and stops evil in its tracks. In the previous session, we ended with the question, what sufferings have I endured because of evil? Um, discuss how God, or, or reflect on, how God might be using that suffering to bring the light of Christ into the world. And that's what we're going to talk about here. Because ministry comes from our sufferings. The most effective people in ministry Are doing ministry that came from their own life, their own sufferings. I mean, think about those of us who've had cancer and somebody, and you've been, you know, you've gone through all the chemo, you're in remission, you've been clean for a while, and then you meet somebody else who's starting it, you know, and your compassion is able to minister to them in a way. And your advice, your experiences, you know, your, the, the things that you learned to help you get through it, help people get through it in a way that nobody else can do unless they too have had cancer. That's a ministry. Helping somebody get through something you've been through already and it was a hardship, you learned things. That's a ministry. And our most powerful ministries are calling Yes, we can do ministries like, you know, being an extraordinary minister of the Eucharist at church or a greeter or whatever, music ministry, uh, whatever. There's many things we can do. But the main ministry that Christ calls us to that makes a difference in the world, bringing light into darkness, starts with our own sufferings, just like Jesus on the cross. Now, when he was born... I say he also suffered then because he had to leave the kingdom of heaven to live amongst a bunch of crazy people, you know, and, 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 you know, when he dealt with the Pharisees who didn't get the point of what he was trying to make, he suffered because he cared about them and he knew they were on their way to hell and he didn't want to see that. It tore him apart. We don't see that in Scripture, but think about who Jesus is and what his character is is like. Of course it tore him apart. Of course he suffered. And, of course, the greatest suffering is what we are preparing for in Lent, And, and that's something that totally is a game changer, totally changes the world, totally defeats the devil, and we are living that every day, and your sufferings, are what connect you most intimately to Christ. I've done whole other talks on that because, I mean, I can't can't tell you in a nutshell how how that works, but it so works. Let me just give you a story to share, um, to give you some idea of how that works. Ralph and I founded Good News Ministries 25 years ago. January was our 25th anniversary. And Good News Ministries, was, uh, was founded to help people discover who they are in Christ and how to change the world, how to evangelize, how to bring light into darkness just the way you are now. You don't need to go to special training to be an evangelizer. You are equipped. God has equipped you. And your sufferings are your biggest tool, your biggest weapon that can defeat Satan when you learn how to turn it into good how to let God turn into good Romans eight twenty eight, another one of my favorite scriptures God works all things together for good God the Father I talked about him being a doting daddy here's another picture of him when he's able to take something evil like the coronavirus and bring blessings out of it you know what he's doing He's saying to the devil, na, 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 nah. God loves to turn evil into good because it's the ultimate defeat of evil. Jesus conquered evil, defeated the devil on Good Friday and in the resurrection. But you know, the devil is still here until the second coming. And so until that second coming happens, God continues to defeat the devil through us who are the church. He continues to defeat the devil every time we take something bad and let God turn it into something good. Take our sufferings and let God make a ministry out of it. My story that I want to share is an example of that. After we founded Good News Ministries, we had for our chaplain, a priest, the very same priest who had introduced me to the Eucharist, and brought me into the Catholic Church by his explanation of the miracle that happens every time there's a Mass. And this priest, we, we brought him, he, was, he lived in Missouri, um, he's deceased now, so I can say whatever I want, he won't get into trouble. <laughs> but um, he moved here to be our chaplain, and it turned out that he was an alcoholic. And in that alcoholism, it started to ruin his ministry. Now, this was a man who early on in his priesthood, uh, he had such a gift, an anointing by the Holy Spirit of healing. He had a hospital ministry. And there was a case where there was a young man who had been in a motorcycle accident and had many broken bones. And when he gave that young man the anointing of the sick, every bone knitted back together immediately, wowing the doctors, astounding the doctors and everybody else. But Satan got a hold of this amazing ministry through his alcoholism. And down through time, you know, things getting gradually worse. Uh, People who he was, you know, where he worked at a parish, they complained to the bishop about him because, because of his attitude and, and his al- that's from the alcoholic personality, which came from growing up with two alcoholic parents. He did not know what unconditional love was, and Ralph and I were giving him unconditional love, and we're trying to teach him what unconditional love really is, and all he knew was codependency, which eventually became lust towards me. He took my unconditional love, and understood it the way his mother had modeled it, his mother had had an affair with a priest and so he wanted to have as a priest an affair with me, with my husband still a friend of his. We stopped that in its tracks and we um, we kicked him out of the ministry, we had him go for therapy and go to AA and said you can come back to the ministry and back into friendship with us, relationship, active relationship with us, we'll always love you but you can't be in our lives like this. And so he went to the help just to play the game to win us back. You know, we went through that a couple of times. The third time, when the lust came out again, I reported him to our, our bishop's office. And they were so used to hearing things, um, other complaints about him. They just kind of like dismissals because the bishop's thinking was, you know, we need, we don't have enough priests to go around. We need them, just put up with them this was after the 2001 bringing to light all the sexual abuses and so I called the bishop's office back when I didn't get any response and I said it has to do with lust. Man did I get a response quick then (laughs) and he was removed from our diocese and I I said please tell his the bishop that you know he originally came from I said please tell him that he needs a rehab program For his alcoholism, because I was convinced that the lust would be dealt with when the codependency was dealt with and everything else, and you know, when he was sober. And they didn't do anything about that, because that's the way it's been in this country and many other places. So uh, he eventually died, we reconciled before he died, but that- there were four years there where we were trying to help him well, the first year that was, what's wrong with this guy? Because Ralph and I had never grown up with alcoholism. And it took somebody else who did to point out to us what was going on. And we're going, well, yeah, he does drink a lot. And so, um, so we had a crash course in what codependency is and what alcoholism does to relationships and that sort of thing. So the, the first year was in discovering what's going on. And the next three years, were trying to help him get on the right path, turn his darkness into light. And he never really chose the right path. And that caused a lot of suffering to me, especially, to me personally. And, I mean, we lost core team members over him because, oh, he's a priest. You can't treat a priest that way. You can't kick him out of the ministry. And uh, this, so we had a lot of suffering that we went through. And I suffered, like I mentioned, like Christ- suffers when he sees somebody not getting the and he knows that their soul is in danger because they're not you know I suffered that too because it's like come on please understand please get it you need to you need to conquer this you need to to turn everything over to Christ and and you know so I suffered because he wasn't getting it and I kept trying until the Lord said okay enough And I kept praying, Lord, is enough yet? Can I quit now? And he said, no, keep at it, until finally he said, enough. And during that four-year process, the suffering that I endured and what I learned about codependency and alcoholism and abuse and stuff like that ended up becoming ministry. Good News Ministries was just teaching, you know, the, the, the... the doctrines of the church and that sort of thing and, and other things about, you know, coming alive in faith and that sort of thing. But now I was able to help somebody who had been abused as a child. And I became her spiritual director and was able to help her. And I write, in 1999, I started writing daily reflections on the readings from Mass, which are still distributed from our website every day of the week. Uh, and you could sign up for email or you can get it texted to you as well. And I started writing those, pouring into it what I had learned through my sufferings. And you know, at first it was whatever Father Ed didn't hear from me, I'm gonna write here and maybe he's going to get it when he reads it. And if he doesn't, somebody else will. So the sufferings made Good News Ministries much more effective, much more widespread. It's, It's become very global. And I would not, if, if I could do it over again and say, Lord, skip this part of my life, I would not do it, because it was very valuable. Even if Father Ed didn't get it until he went to purgatory, which the Lord when after this guy died. The Lord did give me a vision where I saw the beginning of this guy's purgatory, that, and he was full of joy, even though, yes, he, he had a lot of agony over what he had missed out on, what he had done wrong, he was still in joy because purgatory is a better place than here. That's a whole other topic but, um, but you know, so he, he gave me this vision and I heard Jesus say that he was assigning Father Ed to become my personal patron saint and there was a time when, and he's still going through purgatory, I know it, I can feel it because his helpfulness is limited, but there was a time when we were dealing with somebody who was an alcoholic and we were having trouble communicating about something. And my husband and myself prayed and said, Father Ed, would you please help this situation intervene? And the person called back and everything was fine, you know, within, within a minute, you know, so, so I know he's praying for us. he's probably praying for us right here, right now. But my point being that when we take our sufferings, and let God use them for ministry. This is where we are strongest because we are passionate about it. We really care because of what we've been through and we understand things that other people don't understand because of what we've been through and God wants to use that in a big way in each and every one of us here. Do not underestimate how important you are to the kingdom of God and God's plans for this world. Whatever you feel passionate about, that emotional passion is the Holy Spirit at work in you saying, I care as much as you care and even more than that. So I'm going to work through you because you care. That's what passion is. Satan tries to warp that and make passion into something sexual, right? (laughs) Yeah, but Satan counterfeits God's stuff all the time with his empty promises. But God takes whatever you are passionate about, and he wants to use it in a significant way. So, write down in your own private prayer time, spend time reflecting on what are my sufferings, how can God put that to good use, where can I make myself available for God to use me like that, and what do I feel passionate about, and how can I put that to good use as well. And oftentimes, the two are intertwined. This is when we experience the Holy Spirit, as the oil of gladness. Because when we suffer, and that's the end of it, it doesn't become ministry, it doesn't help anybody else, we're still suffering. We have the scars. We have the memories that make us gun-shy in that, in that area or whatever. And we're still being defeated by it to some extent. But when we turn it into ministry and say, come Holy Spirit, use me. Then we get the oil of gladness because when our sufferings make somebody else's life easier, oh, does that feel good? That brings us joy, and that brings joy to Jesus. You ever hear the expression what joy means, J O Y, Jesus, others, you? Cross that out, delete it, exit out. I don't like that. What the Lord showed me it means is Jesus, our yoke. J-O-Y, Jesus, our yoke. Remember how he said to yoke ourselves to him and then our burden would be light? Do you know how that happens? When we are yoked to Jesus, two things can happen. Either our burden feels light or it feels extra heavy. And the reason why it feels extra heavy when it does is think think about the yoke, think about two oxen, You know, one of those is Jesus, and one of those is you. If Jesus is trotting along going this way, and you're going, I want to go over here, and you're struggling and you're pushing, that's not a light burden. (laughs) That hurts. We cause more suffering. We cause ourselves problems. But when we just go wherever Jesus leads us, he's carrying the weight, the biggest part of the weight of, of the yoke or the cross, if you want to think about it that way. The crosses that we carry, he's carrying it with us and he's carrying a bigger portion of that weight than we're carrying it, if it's a cross he wants us to carry, because sometimes we take on crosses we're not supposed to carry. So again we need the Holy Spirit's discernment. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us discernment about what to do, what we're called to do, what our gifts are, how God wants to use that, as well as a discernment between what's evil and what's good. To have that kind of personal relationship with the Holy Spirit and to be the miracle workers that Jesus said every Christian should be, we need a very key ingredient, repentance, the humility to repent, which is why we've been given the sacrament of confession and why we have the penitential rite at Mass. Also on my website is this whole course on the different parts of the Mass and making it much more meaningful, but the whole Mass is set up in such a way that it starts with we come in as regular people who have sinned who have had struggles who's whatever and we go through uh the the gathering song we every piece of it the penitential rite the prayers and everything is leading up to it's all purifying us and uniting us to each other which is why we have the gathering song for example and the procession comes through the people we are gathering we're uniting and we are becoming who God created us to be so that when we receive Jesus in the Eucharist we fully receive him but we have to be conscious of each step we have to do it all consciously participate in mass fully conscious of what we're doing and then when we receive Jesus we receive a renewal of our sainthood we've gone through all the repentance you know And because the penitential rite is often very short, they don't give us much time to think about our sins, we need to be thinking about it before we come to Mass, which we should be aware of all the time anyways. It's like, oops, here's another sin. And Lent is all about looking at where do we need to grow in holiness? What do we need to let go of that isn't holy? The Holy Spirit and having a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit makes that a whole lot easier. I shared with you before that I grew up um, not knowing God the Father very well, just Jesus. I did not know the Holy Spirit at all. He was just some ethereal ghostly thing out there in space. When I met the Holy Spirit on a personal level, as a personal friend, a personal power, and I don't mean my power, it's God's power, Everything changed. Scripture came alive. You know, um, ministry happened. Like, the Holy Spirit just, I had entered that relationship with the Holy Spirit still filled with Satan's lies, empty promises about the occult. I still believed that, for example, when you have a seance, the people that you encounter are people who have died, normal human beings who have died, and they just don't know how to get to heaven, so when I had seances, I used to tell them about Jesus, and they were gone like that, I was talking to demons, and the minute I talked the name Jesus, they didn't want to be around, I was trying to evangelize ghosts, And, and it was demons I was encountering, and by the way, my husband saw, I, when, when I met him, I was still into this, and I tried to get him involved in the seance, and he saw, he literally saw the demon. I, I, I didn't see them, but he literally saw the demon, and he said it was like a black hole wanting to suck his soul into it, and he went fleeing from my house and said, I don't want anything to do with this, And he wasn't even a faith-filled believer in Christ at that time. He had grown up Catholic, but they weren't going to church anymore in the home. And um, so, you know, he didn't even have the Holy Spirit in him, but he recognized, I mean, he did have the Holy Spirit in him from baptism, but he wasn't active in that relationship. But he still, the Lord, by his grace, let him see what that demon really looked like so that Ralph wouldn't get sucked into it along with me. So the... The tools that God has given us include repentance, and when and this is why the sacrament of the, whole, the anointing of the sick includes forgiveness, because repentance is key to dividing ourselves away from Satan. When Satan tempts us, the best, most powerful way to defeat Satan is to do the opposite of what he wants. Yes, we can do things like, I renounce you in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ, or whatever. But the most effective way to beat Satan is to do the opposite of what he wants. Holiness is natural for us, but we don't realize it until we are so filled with the Holy Spirit that we begin to, to, to feel it. But Satan has tricked us into thinking, and, and we hear it a lot in church language because we don't get told the whole picture, But, you know, we're called sinners. We say we're sinners. Yes, we are sinning, but we are saints who are sinning and need to repent again. When we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we were no longer sinners. That's why in the New Testament, the the letters of the New Testament, St. Paul, for example, he writes to the saints at Ephesus. He often starts his letters with, to the saints of wherever. Because, not because those people were perfectly holy, but because they had accepted Christ. So our true identity, when we realize that we are saints and we just need to perfect that, we need, that's freeing. Because one of Satan's tools is guilt. Now God uses guilt to get our attention, but Satan uses guilt to shame us and to keep us suppressed. Remember that your suffering is something that God can use very powerfully, and wants to use very powerfully. So think about that in terms of the coronavirus. We need to be prepared for anything. And let's just put the coronavirus aside for a minute. We talked in the first talk all about how you know, there's so much darkness in the world, how you know, we've come so far where Satan has tricked so many people into thinking that good is evil and and evil is good. When we let God turn our sufferings into a blessing, Satan can't touch us. Because we're just, we're saying, okay, there's something we can do that's good for the kingdom of God and we're going to do it now. And we've just put ourselves fully on the side of God. We are in his full protection. But it doesn't mean that Satan is ignoring us now. In Good News Ministries, down through the years, I've had some pretty bizarre things happen that I've attributed to demons. You know, I shared earlier about that Satanist, that ex-Satanist high priest that I interviewed for a a long time. There was one time when he was in my home and a magnet off my refrigerator flew across the room. So, uh, you know, there have been things that happened in Good News Ministries where Uh, one thing, you know, the computer breaks, and I get that fixed, and the printer breaks, and I get that fixed, and and something else breaks, and it was like one thing after another, and until I said, wait a minute, I, this is, this is unusual, I need to do some prayers against it, and I did, and it stopped. St. Benedict is really good to help with that, and St. Benedict's the one who I used in that particular case, and have reused as needed, and it's St. Benedict has, if you've had, have you ever seen the Benedict Medal, the St. Benedict Medal? And it's got an abbreviation of a prayer on the medal, stamped on the medal. But the summary of it is, Satan, drink your own poison. I love that prayer. Mm-hmm. Stop bothering me. Drink your own poison in the name of Jesus Christ. In what I do in Good News Ministries, Satan really doesn't like what we're doing. He hates what we're doing and his fellow demons, they, they come and they hate what we're doing and they've tried to stop us in so many ways down through these 25 years. Some of it really painful to go through. And I even heard the little whisper in my ear that says, that said, if you would stop what was so painful, if you would, if you would let me have my way with that, you'll, you know, he tried to make a bargain with me. And I'm like, oh, now I'm going to be more determined than ever to do good in his ministries. <laughs> And when we we realize that, as Ephesians 6 says, we are fighting a battle, and it is with principalities, but through Christ we are always champions, we are always victories, when we realize that, it's a lot easier to get through life. So down through the years, I've been going through these different battles and putting up with Satan and you know and and the demons trying these different attacks and it gets tiring and and i I, i've said down through the years is what am i missing what in my spiritual life what in my prayers am i not yet doing that can make this stop or at least be a lot reduced i'm getting tired of constant. yes i win every battle but i'm getting tired of having to go to battle then through some circumstances retreat and whatnot The the Lord gave me a prayer to add using the rosary because the rosary is a powerful weapon. The Blessed Mother, where she's appeared, she's always said, pray the rosary. It's a powerful weapon against evil, against the devil. Well, the Lord gave me a prayer and and an adaptation of that that when I began using it, it, worked fantastically, so much so that, okay, where I'm standing here, It felt like, I could literally feel like the demons were as far as that wall over there. They were that close. They couldn't get any closer, but not unless that wasn't close enough to cause problems. When I started doing this prayer, it was like they were on the other side of the building, you know, far away. They're still there. They're still watching. They're still looking for opportunities. But they are much further away, and my life is a lot easier. And here's how the prayer goes. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, defeater of Satan, crushing the head of the serpent beneath your heel, which is from Genesis, Ark of the Covenant leading us to victory in battle, because that's one of her names. Just as the Ark of the Covenant helped helped the uh, Israelites win battles, well, Mary, because she had Jesus in her, is an Ark of the Covenant, the New Covenant. So I say, Ark of the Covenant leading us to victory in battle. And recently, because of you know what I've been learning about St. Joseph, I add, and St. Joseph, terror of demons, because that's one of his names, pray for us sinners now at the hour of death. But what I do is I, conse- I choose something to consecrate to their protection. So it would be like, um, Holy Mary, Mother of God, defeater of Satan, crushing the head of the serpent beneath your heel, Ark of the Covenant leading us to victory in battle, and St. Joseph, terror of demons, I consecrate this day to you. Pray for us sinners now in the hour of our death. I prayed this morning for, I consecrated this retreat to Mary and Joseph in that same way. And when I consecrated my ministry, and I consecrated my life, my heart, my, my faith growth in the same way, like those demons, they can't get that close anymore. It literally feels like they are further away. You know, I've got more elbow room now. <laughs> Powerful prayer. Luke 12, verse 32. In that, God the Father says, Fear not, little flock. This is the Father's message in all the evil that's going on. Look at how the coronavirus god is already using it to bring good from evil so that he can go to the devil it takes a little digging when we're thinking about all that's wrong with it but when you start to look and ask the holy spirit to help it starts to become obvious the first thing that came to my mind was i'm pretty sure based on some evidence that has been leaked out from china that this was going to be a bioweapon that was going to be used. There's been, there's been stuff, documents that have been snuck out of China that give clues to that, and so we don't have absolute proof of that, but this is, this is a theory that's out there. If this is true, God, or the Blessed Mother, or somebody stopped it from becoming a bioweapon that was planted, I mean it could have been put in a lot of our, our water systems, and all at once we would have been inundated with this virus. Or, or I don't know if water system would have been a de- proper delivery for it, but whatever they were planning to do, it leaked out and it happened right where Christianity was being persecuted greatly. Per- Christianity is, is very persecuted in China, but in the, the Hubei province where this laboratory is, that where this, was, this came out of, probably created there, because they, one of the evidences about it says that HIV virus has been implanted into this regular old coronavirus, it's been merged together, and to, to make it more, whatever, worse than regular flu or regular coronavirus, anyways, the Christians there, who were so persecuted that they couldn't even get together for dinner without getting arrested are now going out publicly, ministering to people, and sharing Christ because the authorities are too busy with the coronavirus to to pay attention to the Christians right now. That was the first thing I noticed. But something that, as I've struggled with the the whole issue of whether or not it's a good thing or a demonic thing that masses are closed, because think about when, when when churches are shut, and masses are canceled, who's the happiest about that? The devil. The devil. Yes. And I'm, and I'm like, ah, oh, why? You know, why do we have to let the devil get away with this? Come on. And, and as I, I, I was wrestling with that as early as yesterday. The Lord showed me something. I said, oh, Lord, you did this just in time for me to share it. Yay. The whole world right now, whether they want to or not, are going through a Lenten experience. Whether they're Christians or not, Muslims, Buddhists, whatever, they're totally not you know, atheists, they're all going through a Lenten experience. What is Lent? Lent is we deny ourselves things, you know, we sacrifice things and, and, you know, we have a desert experience. We, we sacrifice our favorite foods, or we sacrifice coffee, or or television, or whatever, but we make sacrifices to draw us closer to Christ. It's an act of penance. The whole world has things taken away from them: sports, play performances. The Straz Center is, has shut down; they, they canceled all their performances. People are have have all what they're used to, their normal life, and the things they want to do has all been taken away from them. They're going through a Lenten sacrifice, without realizing. The spirituality behind that. And what are Lenten sacrifices supposed to be? Penance. How evil is the world? Do they need to do penance? They're doing penance whether they want to or not. God is using the coronavirus and this, we're in the middle of the story, I don't even think we've reached the peak of it yet, so I can't tell you what's coming. But I do know this, God is doing something awesome against the devil throughout the whole world right now. And with that, let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, fill us. Come Holy Spirit, anoint us. Come Holy Spirit, renew us. Come Holy Spirit, help us to know good from evil. Come Holy Spirit, help us to know what Jesus wants to do with each and every one of us to bring light into the darkness. Come Holy Spirit, purify us and help us to recognize where we need to repent so that we can become better instruments for your kingdom. Come Holy Spirit, you have my permission to change me. Amen.
0: You've been listening to Terry Modica of Good News Ministries. For more faith builders, or to learn more about this ministry, come visit our website at gnm.org. You'll find online resources and lots more to help you know the Father's love and grow closer to Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Visit gnm.org today.